Are you thankful for God's grace and God's mercy? Anybody thankful for God's mercy out there? Now, here's the deal. How many of you know you need God's grace? May I see your hand? Oh, yeah. We need the grace and we need the mercy. Now, mention, I don't want you to forget next Sunday morning. I'm going to pile hours and hours into that study already. The research is being done for that message. People have been asking me, are we headed toward the tribulation period? How does COVID, what's going on there? What is the political climate as it relates to unrest in America? How are we dealing with that? What's the Bible say? And so next week, I'm going to be sharing with you that message that will answer a lot of questions. Listen, friend, Jesus is coming, and He's coming soon. I'm here to tell you, if your heart is not right and you're not revved up for Jesus, you need to get revved up. You need to be reaching as many people as you can. And that relationship does not need to be questionable. It needs to be absolute. You know without a shadow of a doubt that, that you are going to heaven. And how many people do you know that you have influence over? How many people do you know that they're going with you? I'm here to tell you we are in a dispensation right now, a dispensation of grace and mercy. In other words, you can get grace and you can get mercy, and God will give it to you. But when the rapture takes place, I'll explain that, we will head into a season of judgment. In other words, you and I don't see necessarily the judgment of God now. I mean, you can mess up and mess up and mess up and mess up, and God will come if you ask Him, and He'll forgive you right there. And then those sins are forgiven, and you don't have to worry about it. But on the day of judgment, we're going to be judged by what we did as a believer. What did you do with the wonderful gift of grace and mercy that you had? Did you pedal to the metal? Did you really give it at all? Or did you live a leisure Christian life? One that, okay, when I want to, I will. And when I don't, I won't. God said, that won't work. You know, I, I express my opinion on the cross, not my will. But then after that, he, my friend, was nailed to that cross. Today, we're going to be talking about what it means of course, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Our key text is found in the Gospel of Matthew, the ninth chapter. When I say the word Christian, what, what does that mean to you? It means different things to, to different people. Some will say, well, a Christian is one that's been transformed by Jesus Christ. And others will say, I'll tell you what a Christian is. It's kind of an an out-of-touch Lulu person, individual who's deceived by religion and uses their Christianity as a crutch in life. Another might say, well, oh no, Christians are loving and they're kind and they're generous and they're benevolent and, and they're like Jesus Christ. Another might say, oh no, oh, a Christian, they're judgmental, they're narrow-minded, they're legalistic. You do something wrong and they will judge you down to the church in a heartbeat. And we know that Christians are followers of Christ according to Scripture. And we are to be known by our love without a doubt. Well, some Christians, of course, are known for what they're against. I don't want to be known for what I'm against. I want to be known for what I'm for. You know, some say, well, that, I'm telling you, Christians, they don't have any fun. They don't drink. They don't chew. They don't smoke. And they don't run around the girls would do. Well, oh, Lord, help us. And they're against each other. They'll lay down their salvation in a heartbeat if they have a, a disagreement. That's, that's what Christians are. But listen carefully. 
Jesus never called individuals Christians. Now stay with me for a moment. He didn't use the word Christian at all. You see, Christian was first used by a group of non-believers who said, Christians, they're little Christ. Christians, they're many messiahs. They're little imitators, and that's what they thought. But this is what Jesus called us. Jesus called people to be his disciples. He didn't say, Christian, I want you to be a disciple. Turn to your neighbor and say, be a disciple. There you go. Be a disciple. Thank you for your cooperation. Matthew 9, 9 is our key text. Here we go. It's this. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. Matthew got up and followed him. Jesus didn't say, Matthew, I want you to come and, and be a Christian. No, he said, I want you to follow me. The Greek translation for discipleship means I want you to be a learner. I want you to be a pupil. I want you to be a follower. Jesus was saying, come be my disciple. Come be my student. Learn from me. I want you to live like I live. I want you to love like I love. I want you to do what I do, and that's sacrificially give yourself to the Lord every day. In other words, he's saying, let's do life together, and let's change the world together. Well, how are you doing with that? How are you living life together to change the world? What is your relationship as it relates to your vertical relationship with Jesus? And how about that horizontal relationship that you have with others? Is it making a big, big difference? Being a Christ disciple meant you're going to be a part of a movement. And you're going to see things that you've never experienced. You see, Christians walk in the realm of faith. And we know that faith, my friend, causes a lot of natural things to take place in a supernatural way. How is it that God can take a person bent on alcohol? And when they give their heart to Christ Jesus, the desire for alcohol changes. That's a supernatural touch of a mighty God. How is it that families can be broken up and, and don't, they can't seem to make it? And when the love of God comes in the heart of both individuals, wow, what a change. Something happens. You see, it doesn't mean that you're joining a church, though joining a church is not a, a bad idea. But if you're going to be joining a movement of believers, we're connected out of different churches. What brings us together is we have the same DNA. Here's what makes it work. To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and all of your spirit. We know that we have learned in this series, and this is the final message, that when you know who you are, you know what to do. When you know that you're a follower of Christ, when you know that you are an overcomer, when you know that you're an ambassador, you will know what to do. Well, what if, I, what if I know who I am and I don't do what I know to do? Here it is. It said, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, it is a sin unto that man. So Jesus said that, hey, if you're claiming the shingle, overhead, be a follower of Christ. Then he says, I expect to see the manifestation of the fruit in your life. That is to say, you are the salt and you are the light. And as a result of being all of those things, 
There is a crown that the Bible says that you and I will receive on the day of judgment. And that crown is given to us and was paid for with a great price. You see, we commit to love like he loved. We commit to do like he does. Now, how are we doing if we check faithful in the area of being a good disciple? faithful. Luke 10, 25 through 37 tells the story of the Good Samaritan. I know that most of you remember that story, but you know that a man, he's, he, he was out and on a lonely road, and uh, he apparently had some money, and he was going somewhere on business. But anyway, there was a, a group that beat him up and kicked him to the curb and, and just robbed him, and I mean injured him greatly. And of course, uh, a little bit later, a priest came by, a holy man, and saw him in the ditch and thought, I've, I've got a message I've got to preach somewhere. And he just walked right on around him on the Samaritan road. And, and then a Levi, a person of the law, this is the way walk ye in it. He saw him and he passed right on by. I'm sure he was a busy man. But then one that was not supposed to give attention to the individual on the side of the road at all. It was a Samaritan. Now, Jews hated Samaritans. But this Samaritan, of course, certainly didn't want to leave this guy on the side of the road. And I know the guy that had been beaten didn't ask the Samaritan, oh, are, you, are you a Samaritan? If you are, don't touch me. No, he was glad to get whatever help could be offered. You know what the Samaritan did? The Samaritan knows that, knew that Jews hated him. He said, hey, let me, let me help you. He placed ointment in his wounds, helped get him up, walked him down to the, to the nearest Holiday Inn, checked him in, gave him his visa card, and he said, I still have business for a couple days. This is a man I don't even know, but he needs help, and I want you to, you take my card, whatever food he needs, whatever needs he may have, you just use this card and be sure his need is met. Do you know who's telling this story? Jesus is telling this story. And then this is what he asked all the snooty religious individuals and some of those that were working on following after the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what he said. Hey, he said, um, which of you think was the neighbor of the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? Who do you think? The rabbi, the priest, or the Samaritan? And you know what they said? The experts of the law said, the one who had mercy on him. You know what Jesus said? Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Why? Because as a follower, it's your responsibility to pay attention to whatever the needs are. You go and do likewise. Be the kind of disciple that's a good follower. Well, we know that means that, that we're to think about the story of the Good Samaritan. Well, let's try this on for size. See how it fits. You see, could it be that more times than not, that we might be the Levi, we might be the priest, that, that we walk around the guy on the side of the road? Could that be possible that we walk past it? Well, why would we ever do that, pray tell? Is it we're bad people? No, here's our reason. We're busy people. We've got a schedule to keep. We've got obligations. We don't have time to stop. I mean, who knows? It might be a setup. 
He might have friends in the weeds that are going to attack us if we stop. You know what? Jesus said, no, you go and do likewise. You minister to the needs of people that you see are hurting. Well, a Christian university, the professor was really good in illustrations, and, and it was a ministerial class, and he had he had he had chose ten, he chose ten students out of the class, and he sent them word, and uh, he said, "I want you to be in the lecture hall in ten minutes. Ten minutes. I want you to be here, not after ten minutes, but ten minutes to get here, and I'm going to ask you to speak impromptu on the Good Samaritan." Well, buddy, those 10 students that he'd called and chosen grabbed their backpacks and took off for the lecture hall. Only one path to get there. The professor also planted a homeless person on the side of the sidewalk. He was, a, you know, not really homeless, but he, he looked homeless. He looked like he was hurting. He, he looked like that he wasn't going to make it to life another day, hardly a, another moment. And boy, it was unbelievable. The 10 students, many of them walked right on by, but he ran right in the lecture hall, right in the lecture hall, except one, one stopped. And he gave attention to the homeless person and helped him. It didn't take long for the homeless person to say, hey, I appreciate you stopping. It was an illustration going in to the lecture hall. The professor said, did any of you see a man on the sidewalk out there? Some of them said, I didn't. And yet they walked right over it. He said, but one of you stopped. Which one was it? The student in the back raised his hand. He said, the greatest message that any of you ever preached, this man is the one that preached the greatest. Because he didn't just talk about it, he lived it out in action. And there we have, everybody ought to go to heaven. We got to love Jesus, but we don't have time. And what you don't know is our light, as we mentioned last week, is to be the salt and to be the light. And we are to really get matters in top priority so that the number one person in our life is the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe it? Say amen. We know that. You see, there's illustration of Jesus at one time at dinner. One of the custom was if you went to dinner in someone's home, someone was supposed to, the lowest of servants, supposed to wash your feet. Jesus walked in and said, hey guys, did you get your feet? Did you get them washed? And No, we, we didn't. We, we wanted to be here at the table as quickly as we could. Jesus got a pot of water, an apron, and a towel and washed their feet one by one. What? He saw a need and he met the need. They were humbled by the fact that Jesus, who performed the miracles, was the one who happened to be washing their feet, and he did it. I saw a need, and I met the need. Another time, Jesus is on the shore of the Galilee, and they're fishing, and they fished all night. Jesus called out and said, breakfast is ready, guys. They looked and said, that's Jesus. They brought the boat in and got on the shore and found that Jesus had had a breakfast fish fry. And gave them all something to eat because he knew that they would be hungry. You see, it's really those simple things that causes our light to shine most brightly. It's because when we see a need, we feel that, we feel that need. Unbelievable. Children came around Jesus. The disciples, thank you, little brats. He doesn't have time for you. He's performing miracles. He's teaching. And Jesus said, wait a minute. 
These kids are important to me. Don't you run them off. The longer I can sit in their presence, the more I'll learn, but the more they will learn from me. You boys get out of the way and let me spend time with these kids. And that's what we all do, isn't it? No big needs or little needs. Take a look at your own life and say, what have I done that's really been special in serving out my Christianity in a world of people that have a hurt and I filled it? Or individuals that, that have, a particular, have a particular need. Dwight York. Dwight's usually in that first service. He gets here 6 a.m. on Sunday morning. I've told you about him before. Dwight will come, of course. He comes on Friday uh, along with a group of individuals. And he sets up Jackie, helps him, Sally, Eduardo, Carmen. They're all there. And so when we come in, and we used to have the bulletins, and we'll get back to it. And the one you had this morning, stuff that bulletin. They did it. So it's all right and ready when you got here. You know what that is? That's a need that has to be filled. Oh, there are others, for example, Wayne Elliott and our ranger department and his team, and, and Gail Crowell with all of our girls' ministry. I see a need, and I feel it. On, and an astronomical amount of time goes into volunteering to make that happen. Dennis Harrison, Gary Gunn, Mike Fidelke, all of those engaged in men's ministry and in, in ushering. Tim Johnson in rangers and grow track, and more and more and more and more. Linda Stamps in our friend connection which are widows that we have an event for, a nice dinner, and all that honoring the widows of our church. And what a wonderful occasion. And she does it upright. And I want you to know they feel like little queens, queen for a day. And then women's ministries, extravaganza, Sharon and her team, Jean Chadban, and, and Deanne Jeravac, and so many others that make that happen. What? They've seen a need, and they're filling it. And that's what? being a follower of Christ does. And when we get to heaven, and that could be any day, any day now, any day, here's what he's going to say. Here's what he said. You're going to receive your reward. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I'm sorry, I never knew you. You were a fake. You confessed you were a whited sepulcher. You never bowed your knee. Oh, you wanted to be part of the benefits, but you're never willing to sacrifice to live the kind of life. Depart from me. But others of you, you get a crown. He said, oh, yeah, I saw you. I saw you when you gave that person $20 or you gave that person a, a handshake and you smiled and you went out of your way to make them feel special. Yeah, I saw that. I saw how you ask around if there's anybody that had a need. I saw when you gave that astronomical of a gift in the offering to help people in the church. I saw that. Here's a crown. You see, this is real life teaching right here and right now. And we do it under the glory of God. Here's what else we do as followers of the Lord. We heal hurting people in Jesus' name. Hurting people, and a lot of people are hurting. Matthew 9, 35, Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages. He taught in their meeting places. He reported kingdom news and healed their diseased bodies. By my stripes, what? Ye are healed. You're healed. Jesus didn't, didn't just raise the dead. He got in the weeds. He healed their diseased body. He healed leprosy. You remember the lady who'd been accused of a sexual act, adultery, 
and how she knew under the law I've done wrong and haven't done right. People found out and grabbed their best rock and said, we're going to chase her down. She ran to the feet of Jesus. She fell down in the dusty dirt, put her hands over his head, no doubt, expecting I'm about to get stoned. Jesus said, wait a minute. Any of you that's without sin, I want you to cast the first stone. The lady couldn't believe her ears. She waited for the moment for the first stone to hit her in the head. She heard a stone fall to the ground and another and another and another and another. Until there were no other sounds of stones hitting the ground. She looked up and Jesus saw the stained cheeks of her tears that had run down and the nastiness of the dust on her face. He helped her up. Said, your accusers are not here. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Listen, friend. You've been the benefactor of God's grace yourself. You've been the receiver of God's mercy before. You've been the one that God has said, okay, don't think I overlooked it because I didn't slap you. Don't think I didn't see, and that's why I didn't judge you, and you got a blessing after that. Don't think I didn't know about that. But I have chosen to give you grace. And I expect when I give you grace and mercy, you go and sin no more. You began to do what you know you're supposed to do and add value to the building of the kingdom of God. Do you know how much God loves us? Do you know how much God loves your children and your grandchildren and those you work for? Because he has not returned yet. And until he does, there is still hope and an open door for anybody you know to bow their heart and come to faith. But once that rapture takes place, friend, the easy option is gone. Don't forget it. Don't live like it's going to be tomorrow. Live like it could happen today. Allow the power of the Holy Spirit to give you the wisdom and the courage to say yes to God. He said, I saw a hurt, I saw a need, and I healed it. And that's what he calls on us to do. What about Judas? Judas denied and forsook, he forsook the Lord. What about Peter? Peter, of course, on the inside circle, one of the major spokesmen, Jesus leaned on him. And in a little prayer meeting, Jesus has said, Peter, be careful, son, you're going you're gonna to deny me. No, sirree, I'll die before I do. Have you ever said something that you were trying to be the big dog in the house? God said, just watch out. Peter, of course, followed Jesus to the hall of judgment. And a little lady said, aren't you one of his? No. Another said, yes, you are. No. Another said, I know who you are. You do not resemble. You are with. No. And that old rooster began to crow. Peter knew immediately, I've blown it. 
Do you know who Peter was most angry at? The person he saw in the mirror. He lost credibility. It broke his heart. He realized I was forewarned and I still did it. I still made a mistake. I still heard the message and I didn't pay attention. Oh, that pride. I'm stronger than making a mistake like that. Many are great men who thought they had their own strength to be able to push sin back, have fallen by the wayside, and needed redemption later. What would Jesus think? Jesus, of course, dies. He returns, and Peter is weeping. What would Jesus say to me if I see him and he comes back? I didn't deny him once. I denied him three times. All the miracles that I saw him do, all the teaching that I was a part of, all the times that we talked together, the time on the boat when he pulled me out of the desperate water of drowning, and I didn't hide him. What will he say to me? When Jesus did see Peter, Peter was waiting. It was a breathtaking moment. Jesus said, Peter, I believe in you. I love you. You are my disciple. Peter, oh God. Peter, do you love me? Peter knew that is trembling and shaking inside. His heart is about to come out of his chest. I can't believe his grace, I can't believe his mercy. He said, yes, Lord, I love you. You see, with every response that God gives you an opportunity to respond to, always remember there will always be something that God will give a directive to you after that. Go feed my sheep. Peter, are you sure that you love me? Yes, Lord, go feed my lambs. Care for them. Peter, of course, worked through that because of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. And then if you read his writing in the New Testament, the books that God gave him and the dynamic miracles, you'll say, wow, what a moment of transformation. Some of you out here, you've just been diddling around in elementary school and God has wanted to use you in the seminary. My gracious, he's saying, get out of the, get out of the elementary school, get out of high school, get into the seminary and run in the places that God has designated you to run in. That's God in your life. What do I need to do? You see a need and you feel it. You see someone that needs healing and needs loving, and you love them, and you bring healing there. You see, that you don't have to look far to find hurting people, do you? You don't, especially with COVID. COVID's got everybody a little bit nervous, and everybody's a little anxious, and we, we ought to function out of wisdom. You know, I had someone I, this morning uh, that, that I met. Let me give you a hug. No, here, how about a fist bump, you know? You know, what did I want to do? I want to grab them and hug them like we've always done? So you deny yourself. And here's what I say. Sooner or later, like I pray every time of day several times, 
COVID-19, I curse you in the name of Jesus. You go back to hell from which you came. We shall be healed. One day it will be gone. Amen. It will be gone. You say, well, Pastor, it'll be gone, all right. And then something else will come. Yeah, that's living life. Serving God and being positive is never a boring life. Why, you get to grow. Many people have aching hearts. Well, what did Jesus do? Jesus didn't run from the challenge. Jesus walked in the dungeons of prisons. Jesus walked in the cesspool of aching hearts. And Jesus was into the fields of the most detestable sin known to man. And he brought with him the regenerating power of redemption and said, you do likewise. John 10, 27, my sheep hear the word. My sheep listen to my voice. And that should be a goal for all of us. That should be a goal for all of us to to hear and listen to the voice of the Lord. And when you listen to God, I walked out of a restaurant the other day. It was like Friday evening. It was raining. I don't know if it was cats and dogs, but it was raining. And I, I was taking something home to eat, you know. Uh, and, I, and, and all of a sudden I got out and get ready in the rain and somebody ran out of the restaurant screaming, Pastor! Wait. I turned and went back. You know, my mother-in-law is really ill. She needs prayer. And I know you know how to pray. Would you pray for her? So getting wet, I laid hands on him and I said, let's pray now. People in the restaurant looking out the window, let's pray now. I thought about what I should have done later. I should have took him by the arm and said, come on, let's go back in the restaurant. We'll just ask everybody to let's pray. That's what we ought to do. So I prayed, asked God to touch did you believe what you were praying? That's right, I did. Believing God. But here, here's what I'm telling you. That was a hurt. That was a need that God knew about that that moment would exist. And he said, I want, I want you to pray. Oh, what did Jesus do? Zacchaeus, a wee little boy was he. Is that right? You know him? He was a hated tax collector. That little rat, he would rip people off. That's what tax collectors did. They give 15% to the government and keep 35% for themselves. That's what they did. Jesus saw Zacchaeus. He had to jump in a little bit of a tree. What kind of tree was it he got into? Palm tree? Hello? Come on, y'all. You're going to make this message go longer than it needs to. I say a sycamore tree. How about that? Sycamore? How many agree sycamore? Sycamore. We'll go for sycamore. He's up there. You know why? He was, he was so short. <laughs> he had to get up there to see the crowd. He'd get lost in the crowd. Jesus looked at him and said, watch for dinner. Good Lord. Somebody, he's lost. Jesus lost his mind. 
They followed just out of curiosity. That's what you do. Out of curiosity, that's why there's a wreck on the westbound lane, and you slow down on the eastbound lane so you can rubberneck. We all do it. Some of you even chase the fire truck. He's at Zacchaeus' house. He's eating. People are saying, what in the world is he doing there? He saw a need that only redemption would satisfy. And he had dinner, and he said to Zacchaeus, as those who said, what are you doing at Zacchaeus' house? Jesus said, I got one word for Zacchaeus. Follow me. I have a work for you to do. You've been ripping people off. What happened? The power of God moved on Zacchaeus so much. He said, I'm going to give back. He, he stole from everybody. I'm going to give back what I've stolen from individuals four times what I stole from them. Then I'm going to take half of whatever it is I have left, and I'm going to give it to the poor. You know what? When you get right with God, you want to be a giver and not a taker. You're never too busy to meet a need for somebody else. And it's not about you. It's about him. Every single time. Why? We're a follower of Jesus Christ. A follower. Wow. It's unbelievable. What we forget is that though we're here on earth, God has called us to be set apart to be a disciple. And all around us is hurt and pain and agony that people have. There are plenty of them. COVID is there. People say, oh God, COVID, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm so afraid. Chin up mask on. I don't even believe in the mask. Well, go ahead and go. But here's the bottom line. At the end of the day, you're walking and believing and serving God. And God doesn't have to look around. Have you seen so and low lately like I do here at church? Have you seen so and so lately? No. And then if you follow on Facebook, well, they were at the beach last week. And they're in New York City this week. They're out fishing the week before that. Lord, these are your people. God said, I know. You preach and I'll convict. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm preaching. I said, I'm preaching. Give me one amen. Amen. That you just shortened the message five minutes right there. We want the approval of Almighty God. Amen. We want God's approval. Don't you? Don't you want God's approval? Amen. Let's give the Lord before you stand on your feet. Let's give the Lord a great round of applause. Can you do that? Here we go. Would you stand? Let's everybody stand to our feet. Heavenly Father, I thank you today because I know you're real. I know you're not playing around. I know the only reason that some of us haven't been slapped hard is because you have grace on us. And sometimes we think because we've got grace that you're not paying attention, Lord. Oh, Lord, every word that proceeds out of our mouth, God has a record of it. Every time we make a decision that says, it's about me, instead of him, God has a record of it. And if some in this room knew what was ahead of them in their future, their immediate future, 
they would strengthen their prayer life today. Peter was warned about what was ahead of him, and he still didn't pay attention. Some at home right now, God, because of, of COVID and other things in their life, their faith has become weak. It's not sacrificial anymore. I pray you'd speak to them and encourage them. I pray for young people having to go to school and gotten to face and teachers that have to face that and, and they still do it because they love teaching and love students. God bless them. And God, for those of us who just need forgiveness, we thank you for this opportunity. I'm going to ask you, please, right where you are, and those of you at home, if you can say it out loud, say it. If not, say it in your heart. But repeat this prayer after me. Here we go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord, I've made mistakes. I haven't been all that I should be. But right now, I'm asking for forgiveness. I believe by faith that as I confess you are forgiving me and you will use me so whatever it is you need from me I give it to you in Jesus name God let me see my family come to faith let me see my co-workers see something in me that causes them to want to pray and want to believe I thank you for this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You believe God answered prayer? You believe that? I do. I do. I do. I do. With all my heart, I believe that. No doubt about it. You're going to have a good day, friend. You're going to have a good week. I pray you come back Wednesday night, and I want you to know that next Sunday morning, I'm going to share that message. Get your family and your friends, and let's worship. One more song. Here we go.
joining us online or in this room, join us back this coming Wednesday. Have an awesome day. We love you guys.